guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. I'm super hungover, and um, so I'm just going to talk. I went to the coffee shop and I tried to do work, but like I couldn't focus, so I decided, like, alright, I gotta get something out of this. <laughs> I just had some issue with the mic, and I was tinkering with it, and um, I was recording all these mic checks to see if it was working right, and it reminded me, like, a few days ago I went to a bar, and they did live music. And during the mic check, there was, like, nobody there. <laughs> and it was, like, being two other people. But they had this lady who was going to perform, and she goes up to do the mic check. <laughs> and she's like, this is the mic check. <laughs> she was doing, like, a genuine performance <laughs> of the mic check. Um, and I was like, get off the stage. <laughs> was so annoying i shouldn't give her shit because like that's her that's her profession she was she was just doing her thing but um one of what one of the things that happens when i get a hangover there's a certain kind of hangover where i just get very chatty so just wanted to talk and like one of the things i wanted to start with is um and we'll see where it goes is i was i recently posted a piece on thousandmovieproject.com about a 1958 movie called the defiant ones it stars uh tony curtis and Sidney poitier and it's a really it's really, really good. It's probably one of my favorite movies from the list so far. It's about these two prisoners, one's black and one's white, and they're chained together at the wrist, and they escape their, like, work camp situation, chain gang situation, and they go on the run. But I don't want to get into a whole summary, but like I said, it's from 1958, and so some of the lingo is a little antiquated, and they have this thing where whenever they're, <laughs> whenever they're mocking each other, um... Like Tony Curtis is he's the white guy and he thinks he's a big shot or he's gonna be a big shot and Sidney Poitier will be like you think you're gonna have a big house and a nice car yeah everybody's gonna think you're Charlie Potatoes and when I heard that it took me completely out of the drama of the movie because I was like who the fuck is Charlie Potatoes <laughs> but I really liked it because that, that's such a good nickname from muckety muck i'm like oh gee, big shot huh you think you're charlie potatoes but it's a hundred times better when you hear sydney poitier say it because he's like <laughs> yeah yeah charlie potatoes oh my god you have to hear it you can go no i don't think i looked it up on youtube but there's um i think you can only find a clip where tony curtis is saying it not sydney you know what sydney poitier might not say it in the movie maybe i'm totally misremembering this but fuck i wish i could show it to you i've never been so desperate to clip movie audio the other thing that i most wanted to once clip here was um i had i went through this period where i was obsessed with the movie adaptation of stephen king's the dead zone it's from 1983 i think and it stars christopher walken and the premise is that Walken gets into a car accident, and he's in a car. His character's name is John Smith, because I think Stephen King didn't even want to try. And uh, he's in a coma for a long time after the car accident. And when he comes out of it, he's got this psychic power. And if he touches people, he can see, like, some of their secrets or, like, horrible shit that's going to happen to them or their loved ones. And so he gets out of the hospital, and he, well, he's, like, scraping out a living as a tutor. And he touches this kid 
like that not not in a bad way it's an innocent thing he touches this kid and he sees that when the kid goes out and he plays hockey later that day he's gonna fall through the ice and he's gonna drown and so there's this scene where christopher walken is um he's trying to convince this kid's dad uh to not let the kid go play hockey but he doesn't want to freak the guy out by like walking into his house saying by the way i'm psychic i touched your son turns out he's gonna drown so so instead he's like trying to beat around the bush and this is all played totally straight but he's trying to beat around the bush and he's like who even wants to play hockey why don't you play football but the kid's dad like isn't getting the picture and so he's up like he doesn't believe anything bad is gonna happen and so eventually walk in he's thinking like oh shit this dude thinks this dude's gonna think i'm crazy i know how i'll convince him so he picks up his cane really high because he's walking on a cane after the car accident. He picks up his cane and he smashes a candy dish and he goes, the ice is going to break. Go on YouTube right now. Like pause this episode. Go to YouTube and type in Christopher Walken. The ice is going to break. It's one of my all time favorite line deliveries ever. <laughs> if I could write a movie that Christopher Walken was going to star in, I'd call it Icebreaker. <laughs> I'd call it Icebreaker 2 and there would be no first one. And he would be like this farmer in the Arctic, and his name would no his yeah, and his name would be Charlie Brown, and he lives in in the Arctic, and people would be like, oh Charlie Brown, like the cartoon, and he'd be like, no, that's the other one, <laughs> and and he'd have a dog, and then there's like a dramatic, the dramatic um, arc is um, his dog dies, and he's like, what am I even doing? I don't. <laughs> He's like, I don't, my name's Charlie Brown, I don't raise brown, I raise potatoes, and so he changes, he goes to the law office, whatever it is, wherever you go, and he's like, I don't change my name, the Charlie Potatoes, and then I'm gonna get a time machine, and we're gonna put Sidney Poitier in the movie, so I'm gonna get a time machine, and I'm gonna go back to when he was alive, I'm gonna bring him back from the dead, and um, there's gonna be a scene where after he changes, after Chris, after Christopher Walken changes his name, he goes to a farmer's market with all of his potatoes and someone says hey uh hey you're charlie brown right and he goes don't say that name my name is charlie potatoes and then off screen you're gonna hear it's gonna it's gonna be you're gonna hear Sidney poitier off screen it's gonna be really dramatic because this is like his return to film after being dead for so many years so you're gonna hear Sidney poitier off screen and he's gonna go did somebody say charlie potatoes (laughs) (laughs) and then (laughs) And then he's going to walk on screen. And, and Christopher Walken's going to be like, yeah, that's my name. And Potty is going to be like, I'm Charlie Potatoes. And then Walken's going to be like, no, I'm Charlie Potatoes. And then and then Sidney Poitier is going to say that he's Charlie Potatoes, but he's going to say it slightly louder, almost imperceptibly louder. And the movie goes on from there um, with the two of them just saying it louder and louder until they're shouting. <laughs> I'll finish the script and get back to you. Um, I'm super squeamish, but uh, I'm sure I've told you about this. Um, Like, I pass out when I see really ugly injuries and whatever. Um, I actually passed out in traffic school once, which I've probably told you. There's an old video on the internet of me telling this story. I should find it and just rip the audio. This video, I'm debating whether you even tell this story. I've told it so often. I'm going to feel so fucking silly if it turns out I've told this story like three times on the podcast already. Um, I'll tell it quick. When I was 17, I ran a red light and I got pulled over and I had to go to traffic school. Uh, which fortunately was like right on the corner of my street, over the street where I lived. So I enroll in one of those classes, I show up to traffic school, it's Thursday night, and it's this little 
windowless room with like awful carpet and gray walls. And the guy who's teaching the class is like this burly Cuban guy. He's got these big Coke bottle glasses and he starts te- he starts teaching us these statistics, most of which weren't that interesting. Um, and I think they were pretty outdated. I forget what gave me that impression, but there was some interesting stuff. Like I remember now, 12 years later, he told us that a head-on collision at 40 miles an hour is causes like 50% more damage than a head-on collision at 35 miles an hour. I'm not sure why that was pertinent to anything. I think the whole curriculum of driving school is intended to just discourage you from driving, which I think is a good idea. That really is the safest thing you can teach people about driving, is don't do it. It's like if you were teaching a class on on cigarette safety. Lesson number one, only smoke in the shower. Anyway, the whole thing was very clearly, his, his whole spiel was very clearly rehearsed and it struck me as a weird kind of bummer because I remember that he achieved the the guy teaching the class he achieved this quick flash of eloquence. He said something about how like government entities operating within the narrow parameter of their power will try to overhaul the whole system. And when he said that, I was like, God damn, Abuelo's got a lasso on this language. That was eloquent. But then he put on these two different VHS tapes, and in one of the tapes, I heard some professional looking some prof professorial looking dude say the exact same fucking thing that exact same sentence word for word and i was like oh and i don't know why it was such a bummer but i was really upset to find that this old man was not as articulate as he seemed he was just an imposter an imposter i already regret that i started telling this story so the old man he puts the first tape in and um and he loses the room and on the tape like the video is this guy he's wearing all this acid washed denim he's like 24 years old very good looking guy and he's wearing these big wire rim glasses and he's got the quintessential cool guy haircut of like 1994 and he's in a dark room and there's a chair in front of him and he's got his his foot up on the chair and he's leaning his elbow on his knee and the camera just kind of sits on him for a while like it's trying to let us just appreciate his beauty and then if you're paying attention you notice something's going on with his eyes like he doesn't know where to look and then he kind of jolts in his position and he starts talking like i was drinking and driving and now i talk like this <laughs> and it was super jarring and everyone like everyone in the room jolted we were like what the fuck just happened because it was like all this soft introductory music and it was like visually soft and you could hear like that gentle buzzing that you hear in old v- VHS tapes. And then all of a sudden he's shouting about drunk driving. But anyway, it's like a 40 minute video where he's telling the story of how he was he went on a date with this girl and he took her to a party and he was trying to be cool. So he pounded all these beers and then he insisted on driving home. And the whole story is told in that same pitch. He's like, and then I said to her, every now and then the camera cuts away from him. Um, for an interview with his mom or with his doctor and whenever it cut away from him everyone in the room was like oh thank god (laughs) it's so awful to say i hate that we were all trading glances about it but it was so fucking hard to watch (laughs) anyway eventually the video ends thank god and the teacher comes back in and he's got another tape and it's the second of three videos but i did not make it to the third video so he's telling us, okay, this this one's really going to fuck us up, this video. This one's going to set us straight. He points out that we're all in here because we did something wrong. And this video is going to make sure that we treat driving differently. And I was like 17 and defiant. And I was like, okay, Mr. Phony Charisma, 
let's see you change my ways. You're not gonna, not gonna scare me. I'm Charlie Potatoes. So he opens up this like red clamshell case, and he, he takes out the tape. He walks to the VCR. He pops out the video that we just watched, and he's about to push in the new tape into the VCR. But he pauses and he turns around, and he says to us, "This movie is called Red Alert 3." And then he goes to put the tape back in, but he pauses again. And he rolls his head over his shoulder and he gives us this fucking Vincent Price look. And he goes, red is for blood. And then he pushes the tape into the VCR and I shit you not, he scampers out of the room. And I don't see people scamper very often. I don't use the word lightly, but this was a scamper. Like think of those videos where like there's a, someone's got a raccoon in their garage and the raccoon picks up like two big handfuls of spaghetti and then he runs away on his hind legs that's what that's how this dude left the room i don't know why he scampered out like that i don't know if it was like for an act that was like his physical exclamation point on what he thought was a great line about reddies for blood <laughs> anyway movie starts um red alert three and it opens on this close-up of a young guy and he's lying face down on the pavement, and you can see strobe lights around him, and the camera's just panning back slowly. Um, it's kind of it's got the vibe of the last video, um, and I was like, "Fuck, man, is this kid gonna start shouting?" <laughs> but then, after panning back a certain distance, you see that this dude's legs have been severed at the knee. Um, he was jaywalking or something, and he got hit by a car, and he's dead. And it's it's real crime scene footage. It's like a this is a dead body. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I turned to the person beside me and I was like, I think that's a real dead person. <laughs> it was like a 40-year-old dude beside me and he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I was 17 and that was like a big deal. It was kind of scary. And so um, the movie goes on and um, it shows us these two people and they're sitting in like, it looks like a command center type of room and there's a big tv screen in front of them like bruce wayne would have in the bad cave and it's a man and a woman and the woman's on the left and she's she's a real cop and she's wearing her blues and the dude beside her is just a prick he's some kind of com commentator i think he does these sorts of instructional videos um i guess i guess in the 90s that was like you could have that gig like you were the instructor like troy mcclure <laughs> you were in like just instructional videos about like how to ride a horse and fix a computer at this ideally at the same time and so anyways the format of red alert 3 uh and incidentally i once searched it on ebay and you can find all four red alert movies on one haunted disc for like 15 dollars. you know what it might have been called red alpha 3 anyways the format of the movie is that they will show some horrific scene of vehicular mutilation and the police officer will introduce it and say exactly what transpired and how the accident happened whatever and then this fucking dickbag fuckface commentator guy sitting beside her he'll scoff and he'll start talking about how careless and stupid the driver was if i remember correctly he's basically saying like oh good riddance i'm glad they're dead it was really it was a dark movie man but i have to say like the teacher Abuelo was not fucking around when he did his Bela Lugosi introduction. Ladies <laughs> for blood. Um, when he told me this movie was going to fuck me up, because I, uh, I got to say, <laughs> movie fucked me up, but I was the only one. Every time they showed us some image of, like, 
a 19-year-old girl whose eyeball had fallen into the cup holder, I would gasp and I would look around at everybody and everybody was just as bored with this movie as they'd been with the last one. Anyway, long story short, uh, the, the two narrators show us what they say is like the penultimate bit of footage. And um, I remember they sh- it was like an SUV car accident and it was like a 16-year-old girl and she'd had a head-on collision and her face had hit the steering wheel so hard. And I don't, I don't understand the physics of this. Don't ask me to explain it. Please don't roll into my DMs and try explaining it to me because I will pass out again. Her face hit the steering wheel so hard that her brain just walked out from the back of her head and exploded on the headrest behind her. And at that point, I just stood up and I walked out. I walked to the front desk area, like the sitting area. And I sat down and I, I put my head between my knees and because I was pretty seasoned at passing out at this point. So I was like, all right, boys, assume the position. <laughs> so I assumed the position and Abuelo was there at the front desk and he was like signing our certificates. And I remember he, I remember feeling warmed by it. He seemed really genuinely concerned. He was like, you feel okay, son? And he said, son, it was, uh, it was nice. And I was like, yeah, yeah, everything's cool. And so I put my head between my knees, but like it was too late and I just pitched forward and I passed out on the carpet. The thing about fainting that gets to that tends to get overlooked in movies is that if you're painting out if you're passing out because you're mortified or you just saw something really horrific, you only you only pass out for like four seconds, maybe. So I was out for like four seconds and when I opened my eyes I was super embarrassed, so I like I like I sprang to my feet and um, the old dude was standing there at his desk and he goes, uh, maybe we go home. So everybody got out of traffic school like forty minutes early. Um, all's well that ends well. Anyway, <laughs> the point of that story is I'm really squeamish. Um, I pass out, not a lot, but not infrequently. And I've been on this kick lately where I've been eating fast food, a lot of fast food. Anyway, I did a, pod- I did a podcast episode roughly a year ago about a guy named Jeff, a homeless guy. And his name's not really Jeff, but I called him Jeff. And Jeff is like a problem. I really don't like Jeff. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm well acquainted with all the homeless people. Not all the homeless people, but a lot of the homeless people in my area. Most of them are not just harmless. They're like legitimately cool people and they're friendly and whatever. They're just, they've got issues. But Jeff is a fucking problem. And I've seen him shoplifting things and getting into fights. And he's, he's always being shooed away from places by the cops. And anyway, so I went to the coffee shop this morning and I was going to try to do some work. But then the hangover suddenly hit me super hard while I was sitting there working. I couldn't focus, and after a while, I was like, I need to eat something. And there's a McDonald's on the on my way home. So I was like, fuck it. I've been doing it for days now. Why not? I'll get McDonald's again. So I'm walking through the sun. It's like 100 degrees, and I stop at McDonald's. I'm drenched in sweat, super overheated from the sun, and I'm already feeling kind of dizzy from the hangover. So I'm like very light on my feet at this point. And so I go up to the counter, and there... Right there at the counter in front of me, placing his order, is Jeff. And Jeff, as I mentioned in that earlier episode, is extremely skinny. He's got long blonde hair, and whenever he hits somebody up for money, he tells this long story about how he's got AIDS, and all he wants is a couple dollars so he can hop on the metro rail and go to the VA so he can get his medication. Um, And then he tells you that he was in Vietnam, but he never saw action. He gives this whole fucking spiel. And the point of that segment in that episode of the podcast where I talked about Jeff is that, if I, I think it was that, like, I was in an Uber, and I think I saw Jeff, or I was talking about Jeff. I did, something happened, the Uber and I, the Uber driver and I realized we were talking about the same guy. And the Uber driver 
told me about some very long story that Jeff had told him, which was different from the one that Jeff had told me, and they were kind of incompatible. So it turns out that Jeff is like the Joker, and he just gives a different fucking origin story to every... Like, I guess it's just one of his small pleasures is to tell stories, which, who am I to blame him for that? I walk into McDonald's, and there's Jeff up ahead of me in line, and he's taking forever to place his order because he's paying for his food with drachma. But I notice, again, one of Jeff's most distinct physical characteristics is his skinniness, as I mentioned. And so I'm looking at him there, and he he just always, he looks on like he's on the brink of death. He always has. And his I'm looking at his left arm, and the left arm is composed of two sticks, and he's got a very bulbous wrist and a very bulbous elbow. And so I'm looking at his left arm, I'm like fuck, that's a skinny arm because he's got the sleeves rolled up to the shoulder. And then I look at his right arm, and I see, well, his right forearm is actually looking normal, and like normal size. And then I was like, oh no, wait. And I look closer, and I realize like the girth of his forearm is normal, but it's all swollen. It's it's normal because it's swollen. And I realize it's a perfect tube. And then I look up to his upper arm, like right where the bicep is and and listener <laughs> he's got this white gauze wrapped around his uh, bare upper arm and it's misshapen and it's bent at like a 45 degree angle i hate it i'm remembering it his arm is broken his arm is so broken oh my god and oh my god and i'm super hot from this long walk and I'm wearing jeans and a flannel shirt, and I'm dizzy from the heat, and I'm drenched in sweat, and I'm like, the clothes are constricting. And I turn away from his broken arm, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna faint. I'm gonna pass out in the lobby of McDonald's, and then Jeff is gonna do things to me. So I fucking, I just, I wheel away from him, and I walk out, and I turn up the music really loud on my headphones, and I just start walking real fast up 8th street and I'm, I walk under the overpass and I'm like oh, duh, duh. and I'm like I'm listening to Amy Winehouse I kind of just recently discovered Amy Winehouse like I've always known who she is and I've known her bigger songs but I'm having like a 10 year belated discovery like a comprehensive discovery of Amy Winehouse's music so I'm walking up the street and I'm like oh, back to black back to black like I'm singing along with the song trying to get that image out of my head <laughs> this fucking of jeff's broken ass arm and you know of course i had to see fucking jeff's broken arm when i'm when my body temperature is 104 degrees i'm wearing wet constricting clothes and i'm in a room that smells like beef so i'm walking i'm shaking my head i'm shivering and i'm singing along with amy winehouse i get to the other side of the overpass on 8th street i get like to like right at presidente supermarket and listener i swear to god I swear this, I'm, I'm walking, I'm nauseous, I'm dizzy, I'm walking away from the homeless man with the broken arm, and just as I'm approaching Presidente Supermarket, an old man directly in front of me starts vomiting on the pavement. And he's standing at the bus stop, he's talking with some other guys, none of them are wearing masks, he's drinking something out of a brown glass bottle, and I see him kind of shudder, and then he tilts forward, like his whole body tilts forward at a 45 degree angle, and this very slim rope of bile just falls out of his mouth <laughs> and i was like oh my god i hate this fucking neighborhood <laughs> little havana is such a fucking shit show i love it it's a good it's a cool place to be but there are days where there's fucking thieving homeless men with broken arms trying to buy mcdonald's with foreign currency an old man vomiting on the pavement <laughs> and it's so fucking hot <laughs>
<laughs> if I had my druthers, if I was living my choice life, I would be living right now in Coral Gables. I'd have like a 10th floor apartment, nice view. Um, I'd have a bedroom and then an office with a big desk, plenty of bookshelves. I'd have a wire-haired dog named Leonard, and everyone would think Leonard is older than he is just because he's very calm. And my refrigerator would be stocked with more things than just like PBR and olives, and there'd be art on the walls. I have like this whole comprehensive fantasy life about it. Like people would come to my apartment, and they'd be like, "This is nice. It's neat in here. Who lives here?" And I'd be like, "Me, Charlie Potatoes." You've been listening to the Thousand Movie Project podcast. If you like what you've heard, you can go to www.thousandmovieproject.com to read my what is pretty much the daily blog post. And you can follow me on Instagram, where my handle is thousandmovieproject, all one word. Also, there are some expenses associated with the podcast, hosting fees and the like. Also, there's this service I want to subscribe to. My friend was just telling me about it. It's a few dollars a month, and it gives you access to a library of sound effects. And I'd like to add some auditory glamour to the proceedings here. If you'd like to support the Thousand Movie Project podcast, you can shoot a few bucks over to my Venmo account, where the handle is also Thousand Movie Project, all one word. And if you make a donation in excess of $20, I am going to mail you something. And when I settled on that number of $20, there was part of me like, who do you think you are that a package from you is worth $20? What do you, do you think, you Charlie Potatoes? But no, what I have to keep telling myself is like, this is, it's really not a transaction. You're not purchasing anything. It's still very much a donation. If you send me $20 or more, I'm going to assemble some kind of strange letter, and I'm going to take it to the post office, and I'm going to mail it to you as a gesture of thanks. In no way do I believe that this letter is worth $20. <laughs> It's just a gesture of gratitude. Also, the reason I finally settled on $20 for that cap is because I really like to mail things out, but I would like to get a P.O. box for that kind of business because I have some issues with my mail at the apartment now and then, which is both good and bad. It's bad, obviously, because there's all this confusion and my mail goes in different places and I get other people's mail, but it's good in that it's kind of forced me to become loosely acquainted with my neighbors just because we have to trade mail so often. So if, so if I'm going to be mailing things out to people, I'm going to be incurring this other monthly expense of the P.O. box, so I want to make sure that the expense of the P.O. box is pretty much covered. But if you do make any kind of donation, $2, $4, $7, it's all tremendously helpful. I really appreciate it. It does add up. And apart from my thanking you personally online, if you make any kind of donation, I will shout out your name in the ensuing podcast episode as one of the show's sponsors, which you might have heard me do a couple times now for, for people like Emma and Alyssa, but I've been surprised to find on a few occasions that people are like, yeah, I'd love to support the show, here's some money, please do not ever mention my name. <laughs> and that's cool too, I won't shout you out if you don't want me to. But, that being said, Jeremy W, I, I don't, again, I don't know if you want me to say your name, but Jeremy W., you made a donation via PayPal, and I don't know how to respond to you. So I'm going to do it here, because you say that you listen to every episode. And I wanted to say thanks. Jeremy not only threw me some money, he said some wonderful things about the show that I very sincerely appreciated and kind of needed to hear. So let me say this. If you would like to add a compliment with your donation, that would be very appreciated, because I chew that shit like gristle for days. And when I'm like... 10 hours deep into writing, recording, and editing a single episode, which after so many hours, like I, it's hard for me to convince myself that this is still interesting. I honestly, when I'm in the trenches like that, and it's not going well, I honestly open up old messages where people have said nice things about the show, because I need that motivation. <laughs> anyway, 
that's going to be the standing offer from now on. I'm going to go ahead and be forthright here, and I'm going to extend the invitation, maybe you even want to call it the plea, that if you would like to support the show, if you'd like to support the overall Thousand Movie Project apparatus that involves my daily blog, the movie responses, my overall hermetic, agitated, bookish life, you can send some dollar bills to Thousand Movie Project, all one word, on either Venmo or PayPal. Just make sure that you throw in your full name so that I can shout you out on the next episode. And if you donate more than $20, make sure that you put in your mailing address so that I can send you some personal thanks in the mail. And there it is. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time.